Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. We want our girls to trust what they're feeling because if they don't trust their feelings and if they think when I am sad, it's a problem with me, not a problem with what's going on in my circumstances, then is she going to know? that she should leave that abusive relationship? Is she going to know when she's in a college program that she hates, that she shouldn't just buckle down and keep doing it? You know, is she going to know when she's in a toxic work situation that, no, I actually matter? Mm. Our emotions matter. We need to give our kids permission to have emotions. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Go For Ministries who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services who does all of our financial accounting Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained, and Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up? and don't know what to get them, well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinapereira.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me today. She is a fellow podcaster, and she is an author, and she is the founder of the ministry Bear Marriage. And she is one of the co-authors of the new book, She Deserves Better, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic Teaching on Sex, Self, and Speaking Up. I have with me here today, Sheila Ray Gregoire. Sheila, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Christina. It's good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you with me here today. You know, a fellow champion for women. What an honor. I'm so excited to have you with me here today. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be a fun conversation. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, one of the most beautiful things that I love about Jesus is he is one of the first and foremost champions of women on this planet. And I just felt so strongly that it's after his heart and what the Lord really has for each and every one of us. So thank you for this book. I've told our listeners a lot about you. Can you share with them something personal just to help get to know you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm mostly known on a professional level for blogging and speaking. So I've been at my blog since 2008 when I started mommy blogging. 
But right now I actually have two adult daughters who are both married, which is so fun. And one of my daughters at the very beginning of COVID, they actually moved back home because they didn't like life on their own in Ottawa. And so she lives around the corner with my two little grandbabies. So it's so much fun because we get to go for walks every day and I love it. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. What a precious gift to have them so close. I know. And she's one of the co-authors on She Deserves Better too. So a lot of our chapters were sort of planned out while we were walking with the kids. So it was great fun. Oh my gosh, I love that even more. Oh Lord, that's awesome. So, you know, initially when I saw you, I have a daughter and I'm raising her to be so fearless, right? Because we live in a chaotic world. And, you know, initially I was so drawn to it because I am a mom, because I am raising a daughter. But I felt so strongly the Lord said to me, he said, don't my daughters deserve better? And I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, Lord, they do. So I've got to have you on Revealing Jesus. So I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior, Jesus. You know, that's a hard question because I don't know that I ever met him per se. I've just always known him. Like I remember as a really little girl, I don't remember a time where I didn't know Jesus. And when I was a little girl, I'm old enough that we used to be allowed to take walks by ourselves when we were really little without the worry of stranger danger. So when I was eight, my mom would give me money so I could walk to the mall and buy myself a chocolate bar on Saturday mornings and she could sleep in. And the whole time I would go for a walk, I would just talk to Jesus and I just knew he was listening. So He's just always been a part of my life. And Mm -hmm. I think those moments just walking and talking with Jesus were some of the most precious of my life. Mm, I love that so much. One of my favorite things to do is take a walk with Jesus in my neighborhood. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to clear my head and just, yeah, (laughs) yeah, and just know that he's there. Yeah. I love that. And he is, you know, I love that the Bible gives us that very clear picture. Of course, we see it in Genesis walking and talking with God, and we see it with the disciples moving from town to town. And we see it with the risen Christ and the disciples on the road to Emmaus still walking with him. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Mm -hmm. What a great picture. Mm -hmm. So good. Well, you know, I've loved reading through this book. I was telling you a little bit earlier that I'm a woman minister. You guys obviously know that out there, right? So it's been a challenge. And the Lord has obviously taken me on a journey. I grew up in the church. And somehow, some of these things in this book were just in the water. Seeing and reading through this book, I saw how far the Lord has really taken me, but I saw how far I still have to go, how much more I want for my daughter. Can you talk about your heart and why you wrote this book? I think it's because I feel like for a whole generation of women, the church stole Jesus from them. Mm. Quite honestly especially with purity culture, but it wasn't only purity culture. I think it was there before that as well. But we turned Jesus into something that I don't even recognize, someone that you have to work hard to please. And it has nothing to do with the risen Christ. And I think so many people have been driven away from the church because they've been given messages which are not from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to reclaim the real Christ, I mean, the only way that we can heal the church. The only way that we can raise our daughters properly is to reclaim the real Christ and get rid of the messages that have really hurt people. Admit the hurt. We need to admit the hurt. We need to look at it head on, see how much we've hurt, and then run towards the truth. Mm, So good. You know, I was cheering Amen for so much of what was in your book. And 
there has been, I'm so thankful for conversations like these because they allow us to be really vulnerable and honest as Christian leaders, as followers of Jesus, as moms. And, you know, it's important that we acknowledge what's there and where we're still at and where we need help. And you you talked about, you broke the book down into many different things. And there was a chapter that's coming up in my heart right now. I believe it's like, she deserves to be heard. And, you know, it's this toxic idea um, that this toxic positivity, this inability Mm -hmm. to produce emotions. And I see it. I grew up in the Baptist church, but then I got baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Lord just lit my life on fire. But even in some of the charismatic sections, there's this tendency to demonize emotions. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that. I remember when my girls were little, I had this video that we used to play of Sunday school songs. And one of them was, if you're happy and you know it, right? And we'd Mm -hmm. sing it. If you're happy, you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy, you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, shout amen. And then I went to a play group at a local public school and they sang that song totally different. They did, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're angry and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're sad and you know it, cry boo-hoo. And I thought, oh, wow, they're allowed to have other emotions. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Imagine that. (laughs) And how much have we in the church told kids, you need to have joy in the Lord. And so if you're depressed, if you're anxious, that is a sign of a lack of faith and a lack of obedience to God's word, a lack of trust in the Lord. That is so harmful, especially to teenagers who are experiencing really big emotions and their brains are only starting to understand these emotions to figure out how to process them. And as parents, it can be really uncomfortable when your teenage girl has big emotions and you can want to shut her up. You can want to tell her, look, it's all going to be okay. You're making a fuss over nothing. But when we deny our kids emotions, we're really telling them, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear the parts of you that make me uncomfortable. I only want to hear the parts of you that I like. And that's teaching a girl that she can't trust what she's actually feeling. And believe me, we want our girls to trust what they're feeling because if they don't trust their feelings and if they think when I am sad, it's a problem with me, not a problem with what's going on in my circumstances, then is she going to know that she should leave that abusive relationship? Is she going to know when she's in a college program that she hates, that she shouldn't just buckle down and keep doing it? You know, is she going to know when she's in a toxic work situation that, no, I actually matter? Mm. Our emotions matter. We need to give our kids permission to have emotions. Mm -hmm. And I just want to echo that. We need to give ourselves permission to have emotions as well. Yes, yes. (laughs) And so I always talk about when I have these conversations with people on the podcast, people are like, oh, I'm a crybaby. I'm going to cry. I'm like, okay, I'll cry with you. You know, (laughs) it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of the most beautiful things I've learned about having a relationship with the living, loving Jesus is that he is there whether I'm happy. He's there whether I'm sad. He's there whether I'm depressed or I'm feeling angry, he is there. And if we go back and we look at the biblical pictures of Jesus in the scriptures, that's exactly what he was to his disciples. We see the risen Jesus making breakfast for his disciples on the shore. After they were discouraged, depressed, had gone back to fishing, and they said, that's it. 
You know, we're mm-hmm. no longer walking with m- the Messiah. Like, we're done. But we're going to go back to what we know, fishing. And there he is, making breakfast for them. And we see that in the prophet Elijah when he's running from Jezebel, and he just wants to end his life. We see that God himself, he didn't send an angel, but he came. And he made breakfast, and he strengthened Elijah. And, you know, it's in those moments where God himself is drawing so close and just wrapping his arms around each and every one of us. And there's no fear in those emotions. And I think in my thoughts, the only way that we don't win in those situations is when we're not vulnerable and honest with him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we have to be able to be honest before God, but we can't be honest before God when so much of our teaching to our girls, to ourselves, revolves around negating what they are actually feeling and telling our girls, you don't have a right to think that way. So for instance, we're really big on the JOY acronym. We hear that a lot in evangelical circles, right? Jesus first, other second, you last. Mm -hmm. So you need to think of everybody else before you think about yourself. So you don't actually matter as much as everybody else. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. So you know we get to matter too. Amen. (laughs) When we say, no, you're last, it ends up in situations like my oldest daughter and co-author Rebecca Lindenbach was in. So she's 15 years old in youth group. And they're having one of those stupid all night, you know, sleepovers at the church. I don't know why youth groups do that, but whatever. So there is an all night sleepover. And there's a boy there who's 18, who's not a regular youth group attender, but he is known to have sexually assaulted several girls from the high school. And Mm -hmm. he's been super creepy with the girls in the youth group. And so Rebecca is really uncomfortable. She goes to the youth leader and she says, I just don't think this is okay. You know, the girls are, are scared. And the youth leader says to her that she was being judgmental. Mm-hmm. And doesn't she know that this guy needs Jesus? And so she needs to stop. And <laughs> he was putting this boy's right to be in a church building ahead of all of the girls in the youth group's right to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, And so the boys in the youth group, the rest of the boys did a buddy system with the girls where every boy took a girl and made sure she was never alone that night because the boys cared. But the youth leader didn't. And we see that a lot in some of our situations is that girls are expected to put up with things that are unsafe. Mm -hmm. You know, because someone's salvation might be at stake. And, you know, Jesus didn't die so that your predator can be on the praise team. Like, that's not the point. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. There's such an issue right now in the church with not really understanding the grace and mercy of God and understanding the justice, wisdom, and what is right and what is wrong and protecting those who are most vulnerable. You know, we've seen in the church where uh, you've actually said this in your book, where a leader actually stood up and admitted to, I think, molesting a girl in the congregation and he was giving a standing ovation. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Jesus, help us. What are we doing? What are we doing? What is happening? And so there's this idea that in order to extend grace and mercy, that we don't have accountability, but that's not actually what true grace and mercy looks like. You know, the Bible says that the foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice. We must have both. Exactly. And we found in our service, we surveyed 7,000 women for this book. 
and to see how their experiences as teens in church, the things they believed, what they went through, how they were taught about sex ed, etc., how that impacted them long term in terms of like their marital and sexual satisfaction, their self-esteem, the likelihood of them marrying an abuser. And one of the things that we found, which is really sad, is that 18.7% of the women who took our survey reported being harassed, abused, or assaulted as a youth in church. Wow. 12.9% by an adult. So some were by kids, like by peers, but 12.9% by an adult in the church. To me as a mom, that's heartbreaking. To me as a woman, that's heartbreaking. And I believe it's heartbreaking to the heart of God. Yeah. And so we need to start asking ourselves, what is it about certain churches that make that more likely to happen? And we did come up with some answers on that, like, you know, but we need to look at how the places where women are most likely to be abused, the places where women are most likely to get blamed for things, those places have things in common, which is some of these toxic things that they're teaching about how girls don't matter. Can you lay out some of those you know, we talked about one of them, your voices don't matter, the inability to express emotions. And can you lay out some of those for me? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is the modesty message. So the idea that boys can't help but lust if a girl is dressed like she's trying to incite it, or a girl has a responsibility not to be a stumbling block to the boys around her. Churches that teach those messages have a lot more abuse in them. Because what they're teaching is that men can't be expected to be self-controlled. And so if a man loses control, it's not actually on him, it's on her because what was she expecting wearing that thing or doing whatever it was that she was doing? You know, so one of the most horrific examples we had of that was a curriculum written by Dana Gresh called Secret Keeper Girl. It's now rebranded True Girl. Hundreds of thousands of girls went to her events in the last 20 years. And she had this one test in her book about modesty, and it's directed at 8 to 12-year-old girls. So she asked girls to put their hands up in the air. And if your belly shows, that's bad because, she explains, bellies are intoxicating. And then she has this conversation that's supposed to take place between moms and daughters about what intoxicating means and how it's kind of like when you're drunk and when you lose control. And God created our bodies to be intoxicating to men but you're only supposed to be intoxicating to one man, your future husband. And so you have to stay covered up for everybody else. If you dissect what she just said, she told eight-year-old girls that the sight of their belly can make an adult man get out of control. Mm. That's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that is absolutely horrifying. You know, it's so funny because I was thinking about that part. I was reading through parts of your book last night. And I'm a married woman. And I think every married woman can attest to this out there. There's been times where I'm in sweatpants. I have no makeup on. I've got my glasses on. My hair is a mess. And that's never stopped my husband. <laughs> I just want to say that. Like, it's. The idea that we are responsible for another person's ability to control themselves is so unbelievably toxic because yeah. we have absolutely no power over that. Exactly. And, you know, even when you look at dress codes or modesty rules, it's the girls with the bigger busts that are often called out and like they can't help it. Yeah. 
but they could be wearing exactly the same shirt as a girl with a smaller bust. And yet they'll be the ones that are singled out for being immodest. They're not being immodest. They just simply have a chest. Mm-hmm. And that is not on her. And mm-hmm. the amount of shame that we have heaped on, you know, women with larger chests is just terrible, especially girls who develop early, girls mm-hmm. who get breasts at 10. And when my daughter was 11, a Sunday school teacher held her back and told her that she was going to have to stop wearing V-necks because now men would be looking at her chest. And I couldn't get that girl to go to church for several weeks because she was so mortified because it had never occurred to her that any man might look at her that way. Right. And that was a terrible thing to say to her as a child. Mm-hmm. That's what we've done. Yeah. Are you a new believer in Jesus and don't know where to start? First, let me say welcome to the family of God. It's so important to anchor yourself in the gospel and the finished work of Jesus. This powerful workbook includes foundational gospel truths to anchor your heart in new covenant reality and interactive journaling prompts to begin your relationship with Jesus. This workbook includes teaching based on the Word of God. It will help you understand precisely why you need a Savior, what Jesus has done for you, your new creation life in Him, and how to have a relationship with Him. Journal through the pages to dive deep into the heart of God for you as His child and increase your faith as you learn about our beautiful Savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of New Believer Workbook, Foundational Gospel Truths to Begin Your Relationship with Christ Jesus today. Links in the show notes, or you can pick up a copy at Amazon or christinapereira.org slash store. Growing up as a kid hearing those things, I was so self-conscious of my body. Like, I don't particularly have a chest, but I have curves, you know. And so I was so self-conscious of my body. Like, I didn't realize how much shame I carried about my body. And what it did, just like you said, it created this idea that somehow I was sinful, even in my own body, even when I had no control over it. And I think it, in, in me, at least, it produced self-hatred. It really does, because what we're taught is that our bodies are sources of shame and put us in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, because if our bodies can cause him to get out of control then we can never be safe and we can't really embrace our bodies. And I think that's one of the reasons why we found that the modesty messages, when girls believe them as teenagers, are so highly linked to vaginismus later in life. So vaginismus is a sexual dysfunction disorder where the muscles of the vaginal wall contract and become really tight, which can make intercourse really painful, if not impossible. And this is largely an evangelical problem. Like women suffer in evangelicalism at about twice the rate or two and a half times the rate of the general population. So we found that around 23% of women have this. And in our survey, we've located one of the main culprits. And it's believing this modesty message as a teenager that you are responsible for how a boy thinks of you and that you have the ability to make him out of control. Mm. Because that just makes the world dangerous. And it's telling a girl, no matter how much you love him, no matter how good a guy he is, all he will ever really think of you as is a sex object, first and foremost. He's going to lust after you. He's not going to be able to think of you in any other way. And that's essentially a traumatic message that we've told girls. It absolutely is. So how do we talk with our girls about appropriate attire without turning it into you're responsible? 
Yeah, you have to separate the lust message from the clothing message. They are never paired in scripture, ever. Scripture does not talk about clothing and lust in the same breath. Whenever scripture talks about lust, it puts the blame on the guy. You know, and go gouge your eye out. When scripture right. talks about modesty, it's talking about flaunting wealth. Don't flaunt wealth. Because yes. the whole point was they wanted to create a church where people of all classes would feel welcome. And so that was the emphasis, is how do you dress in such a way that other people feel welcome? And I think that is a legitimate conversation. How can you dress in a way that is kind, you know, and is appropriate? And you can have those conversations. In the book, we've got at the end of each chapter, we have mother-daughter discussion guides. So, and there's like, they're super fun. There's like quizzes you can do. There's scenarios. There's role plays. There's spot the tricky teachings. There's lots of things that you can do with your daughters to talk through these messages. And in the modesty chapter, we do walk you through how to have that conversation. You know, what does it mean to dress in a way that respects yourself and others? What does it mean to dress in a way that doesn't flaunt wealth, that is kind, that isn't being cruel to someone? And so we talk about that, but it's just not about lust. Just don't talk about lust. It doesn't need to be talked about together. It never is in the Bible. And it hurts people when you do talk about it together. Mm, so good. So good. Thank you so much for that. And I have to say, this is a book I'm going to hang on to. Right now, my daughter's eight. But, you know, we're starting to approach those little preteen or what do they call that? Tween things. Mm -hmm. So yep. I'm hanging yep. on to this one, man. <laughs> so good. Well, is there, you know, we could probably spend about five days going through and talking about this toxic teaching. Is there another one burning on your heart that you'd like to share? I think one of the ones that really struck us is just the lack of teaching about boundaries. You know. A woman, Jesus gave up everything for you. And so we need to be prepared to give up everything for him. And so other people's comfort seems to matter more than our own well-being. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an example, you have a friend who doesn't have a lot of friends and she's texting you constantly because she's socially awkward and she's bored and she just wants to hold on to you. But you're super busy. Let's say you're studying for a test or you have a big job interview, or you have a family dinner, and she just keeps texting. And, you know, you might try to say, I'm just busy for the next hour. And she'll just say, oh, it's okay. I don't mean to be a bother. I know I'm a bother. I'm just so lonely. You know, and she does these games with you. And a lot of women have a really difficult time setting a big boundary there, mm -hmm. where you say, I want to keep this friendship but I can't talk to you at all hours. So I'm available between 11 and 1 if you want to text me, or I'm available here, or we can get together for lunch on Tuesdays, or whatever it might look like. But I can't answer texts in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is really hard for a lot of us to do because we're like, well, she needs love. She needs someone. I'm the only one she knows. But are we actually helping her mm -hmm. when we do that? And what if God has something else for you to do and she is actually taking you away from your major calling? Because mm, we only good. have so much time. We only have so much emotional energy. And if someone is sapping it, then that's not helping the kingdom. And so helping girls learn how to say, okay, wait, this is too much. I can't keep doing this. That's something that a lot of us didn't learn as teenagers. A lot of us as moms, I've talked to so many people who have been working through She Deserves Better and they get to the boundaries chapter and they do the exercises with their daughters and they're like, I realized I need this too. I'm so bad at this stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you 
you know, but that's something that's hard is just realizing Jesus didn't say yes to everybody. Jesus left crowds behind. He went on to the next city. He left people unhealed. Mm -hmm. He went off on his own to pray. He took time away from his disciples. He did not answer every need, listen to everyone's concerns. He knew where he was going and he concentrated on his calling. Mm -hmm. And it's okay for us to do that too. That's really good. You know, I know that the Bible says everybody who came to him was healed. But you had mentioned in your book, you said there were moments when he had to move on to the next town. And I'm sure that there were people who might have been on the way and they're like, oh, no, where are you going? And things like that. But everyone who came to him was healed. But yes, there was moments where he pulled away and he went and he prayed with his father. There was moments where he followed the Holy Spirit onto the next town and things like that. And I think that's a really, really good point. Sometimes we feel like we're being mean when we're setting those boundaries, but in reality, we're protecting what God is actually calling us to do and not letting people pull us away from those things. I think. And you can't do everything. Do you remember the story in Acts of Peter and John where they healed the lame man? You know, the Mm -hmm. silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Yeah. Well, if you look at that story, that man had been paralyzed for, I think it's like 40 years. Okay. And his place of begging was by the temple. Well, guess who walked by the temple a whole Mm -hmm. time? Jesus. Yeah. He would have walked by that man and he didn't heal him. Yeah. Peter and John did. And so I think the point that I'm trying to make is like, you can't do everything. Not even Jesus as a human being was able to do everything. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And so we need to give ourselves permission to just focus on what's in front of us. And if someone else is eating too much of our time or our energy, it's okay to say no. And that's something that's very hard for women, especially to learn. But we don't need to be super nice to everybody. Like here's another example that women can be really bad at. So you're sitting alone in a coffee shop trying to get some work done. And a super creepy guy sits beside you and starts asking for your phone number and starts talking to you. Mm. And a lot of women will just talk to him because they don't want to be mean. But it's okay to say, you are making me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and get up and go. Because yes, that man might need Jesus, but you are probably not the conduit for that. Right. Right. Because you do not need to sacrifice your safety or your discomfort Mm. or your comfort for that. So it's like, let's teach girls how to be safe in public situations. What do you do if someone starts chatting you up on the bus and you feel really nervous? <laughs> you know, What do you do if someone's following you? Like, you do not need to be polite to everybody who speaks to you in public. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, God gave us that gut intuition, that inward leading of the Holy Spirit within us. And I believe that we need to follow that and we need to listen to that. And it's hard to follow the leading of the Spirit when we're living by the knowledge of good and evil, of we must be kind to everyone we meet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I think part of the issue, too, like, I do believe we have the Holy Spirit. I do believe the Holy Spirit is telling us things. But when we teach our daughters, as we already said, that they're not supposed to listen to their emotions, we're often teaching them to disregard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Because if the church is telling them to do something 
but they're just feeling this isn't quite right. <laughs> you know, and often the church tells girls to disregard their thoughts and their own safety. But then we can be teaching our girls to ignore their gut and the Holy Spirit talking to them. And that's dangerous, especially I think it's one of the big reasons why women can get into abusive situations, whether it's abusive marriages or abusive friendships or even abusive workplaces, abusive churches, is because we are taught that you can't listen to that Holy Spirit. Not that anybody would ever say that, but they would say, you know, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, and you need to stand on faith, not feelings, and let me tell you what God wants for your life. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're in rebellion if you stand up for what you think God's telling you. Amen. Preach it. Preach it. That is the absolute truth. And, you know, it's so hard because I, I can relate to that abusive situation. I grew up in an abusive home. And I have to say this. So when I was younger and I was looking for my husband, I dated some pretty pretty, pretty rough guys, I would say. They weren't necessarily terrible guys, but they had some really kind of misconceptions on what love really is. There was a lot of control, a lot of jealousy, a lot of things like that. And because I did not have a grid, because I did not see a godly father, I knew that my picker was off. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so I asked the Lord, I said, you pick my husband because my picker is broken, clearly. And I kid you not, the Lord, in fact, did make it very clear that he had picked my husband for me. But there were things that my husband did that were so good and so godly, and they made me so uncomfortable because it didn't look like what I knew as love. Mm -hmm. And I just want to share this quick story. There was one time where I had gotten into a car accident. It truly wasn't my fault. Somebody had come up in my blind spot. I was already getting over. I had my blinker on. But needless to say, there was a collision. And growing up, I would have been, you know, emotionally, physically abused, even threatened physically had that happened in my home growing up, which I did. But my husband, he said to me, honey, he said, accidents happen. And I kid you not, I sat there terrified for probably an hour until I finally said to him, will you finally just yell at me? Will you finally just like give it to me? Because um, this is more terrifying. You know, having you treat me in a godly way. I was like, I know it's coming. I I know the abuse is coming. But that's because what I grew up with. So I just want to encourage you out there. Like, if your picker is broken because you've come from an abusive home or an abusive marriage, The Lord has somebody wonderful for you. And when you get into that relationship, there's probably still going to be challenges where, you know, when they begin to treat you in a godly way, it might still terrify you. But it's a growing and it's a process. And I have to say the Lord has just brought me so far. And it's just, my life has just been a testimony after testimony after testimony. But God is so good. And he wants you to have a husband and a father that is good and kind and godly and loving and treats you with respect and dignity. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for my incredible husband. So mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. 
And I know that it is going to encourage and it's going to challenge a lot of people out there. Is there anything burning on your heart do you want to say directly to our listeners today? I think, yeah, let me share this. Our research definitively showed that church attendance and believing in Jesus is good. And you know, other studies have found this too. It's so known that psychologists have stopped studying it. Like this is just an accepted fact, okay? Church attendance and believing in Jesus is a good thing. It leads to better marriages, better sex lives, better self-esteem, better relationships. It's wonderful. But there's a big but, and that's that when girls internalize toxic teachings about modesty, about consent, about boundaries, the benefits of church disappear. And if you look at marital and sexual satisfaction and chance of marrying an abuser, in many cases, these women would have been better off not gone to church at all. And that is heartbreaking. Yeah. That is so wrong. I think in the last 20 or 30 years, the church really has stolen Jesus from a whole generation of women mm -hmm. because they've replaced him with someone who's judgmental and someone who's ashamed of you and someone who doesn't want to know your real feelings, but just wants you to get in line. And that was never of Jesus. And if we want our daughters to meet the real Jesus, we need to get out of the toxic spaces. Mm. Because not all churches are toxic. Most aren't, but some really, really are. We need to go to battle for our girls and make sure that our girls are in safe spaces mm. where they're truly hearing about the Savior who loves them and not about a faith that wants to keep them small. And so I just want to give women permission to look around and say, is this the best for my daughter? Is God really here? And then find some place where God is, where Jesus is, and leave the places that have left him behind. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that is going to impact so many. Will you pray for the daughters of God out there, the mothers and the daughters coming up? Mm -hmm. I would love to. Dear Lord, we know your heart for women, for girls, that you created us to show your image to the world, that we are such an important part of the body and of the kingdom, and that you value us for who we are and that you have a special calling in all of our lives. And we pray that you will give us boldness and courage to step into the calling that you have for us, and that you will help us to see the obstacles that are being put up, sometimes even in your name, and that we will jump over those obstacles. We will knock them out of the way. We will reject them because we will keep our eyes so focused on you. And we pray that our girls will not be burdened by toxic teachings that keep them small by messages of shame, by messages that they aren't good enough, but that instead we will raise them to know that they are precious. And so I pray for the moms that you'll give the moms wisdom who are listening, that we will be good for the daughters that you've blessed us with and the sons too. Mm -hmm. 
so that together we can create such a better church for the next generation. And I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Oh, God. Amen. 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 Because you're so right. We need to make some fundamental shifts in how we're raising our boys as well. So good. Mm -hmm. So good. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I know this conversation is going to inspire and challenge so many. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Well, I hope and I pray that today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira or wherever you get your podcasts. There you can connect with us and our special guest, Sheila Ray Gregoire. And don't forget to pick up a copy of her new book, She Deserves Better, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic Teachings on Sex, Self, and Speaking Up. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. Seven 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 eight, And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.